we have a crisis in the world, tremendous crisis, and also crisis in our consciousness, in us. I see the urgency of change, radical revolution, mutation in the mind. I see it. It is necessary. There is complete quietness of the mind, and that which is silent has vast space. Only then that which is nameless comes into being. This is Urgency of Change, the Krishnamurti podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of Urgency of Change. This week's episode features Krishnamurti in conversation with Daniel O'Hanlon, entitled Beyond Organised Religion. Episodes 17 and 18 are conversations with Alain Norday. This podcast is brought to you by Krishnamurti Foundation Trust, based at Brockwood Park in the UK. Please visit our newly updated website at kfoundation.org where you can find information about Krishnamurti, along with more than 20 in-depth articles, each based on the central theme of his work, hand-picked by the Foundation staff. You can also find daily quotes on Instagram and Facebook at Krishnamurti Foundation Trust. Daniel O'Hanlon was a Jesuit priest and respected theologian. He taught at Marymount University in Los Angeles, and for more than 30 years at the Jesuit School of Theology in Berkeley. He had many contacts in other religions, particularly of Asia, and included aspects of these religions in his teaching. Interested in integration of religions, in 1984 he published Integration of Christian Practices, A Western Christian Looks East. This conversation with Krishnamurti, recorded in Malibu, California in 1972, asks whether organised religion brings about real depth of understanding. Does the past have any value in coming upon something new? Can the mind empty itself of the pettiness of what man has put together? Thought can be used legitimately and illegitimately. Krishnamurti urges us to find out if there is something beyond tradition and myth. It's hard to know where to begin, isn't it? Uh... I have the impression, you know, having read some of your writings, that uh, that we would have things to talk about, that, but I, I don't know where to begin, you know. And uh, in a certain sense, I have the advantage of having read something of yours, and I'm sort of an unknown yes. quantity to <laughs> you. <laughs> uh, so. Where shall we begin? I don't really know. Um, in one way, I feel a little out of place because uh, uh, in reading your writings, uh, I feel that people who uh, are connected with organized religion in any way uh, don't come off too well, you know. <laughs> and I am quite clearly, you know, uh, part of a very discernible, tangible phenomenon on the religious horizon. 
I guess you'd have to say I'm part of organized religion <laughs> in some fashion. So do you think we could start why there is division amongst all religions? the Protestants, the Catholics, the Episcopalian, the Hindu, the Muslim, the Buddhist, the Jain, you know, there are dozens and dozens of divisions. Right. Well, I'm certain that I would, at least I feel fairly certain that one of the very significant reasons why that's true is that uh, human experience in different places and in different circumstances is, you know, culturally diverse. People, uh, people grow up with different backgrounds and in so many ways. And when they, they come to express uh, the religious dimension of their lives, the, the garment which it wears, the, uh, the form in which it's expressed bears the imprint of the place from which they come. In fact, that's, that's one, of the, uh, one of the questions I'm putting to myself in this year of sabbatical leave, which I have coming up next year, is to try to, you know, given the fact of this great diversity, to try to in conversation with people who come out of these different traditions and going beyond the Christian tradition in which I have grown up, to try to discover what is that common, basic human dimension that we all share. So, as a beginning toward the question which you ask, I, I would say I think the difference comes from just the variety of of human backgrounds and different historical, cultural, economic yes, circumstances. Yes. Uh, now that maybe maybe isn't the most profound kind of an explanation, but uh, but also these various groups condition their children, their grandchildren, and so on, so on. Right through the world, this takes place. Yes. So there's this cultural, economic, social conditioning, yeah. religious conditioning. If I'm born as a Baptist, I'm forever a Baptist. Well, unless not I change always. over. Yeah, I think in our world today, there the um, the movement from one place to another is probably greater because the people are aware of various other possibilities. I mean, it's, I know several Hindus who have become uh, Protestants, mm -hmm. Protestants who have become Catholics. Right. It's the same <laughs> from one, if I may use the word cage, to another cage. Yeah. Well, you know, the, the kind of things which which people do hand on to their children from generation to generation, it seems to me are a mixture, like everything human, there are good things and there are bad things in them. 
And I think, you know, having, having read uh, some of your writings, I would be less, less inclined to think that um, all of the things which come out of man's past are to be um, uh, rejected. You know, it seems to, I would, I would have the feeling that um, through the growing experience of men and communities over the centuries of, of human life, there would be the possibility of them discovering, becoming aware of certain dimensions of human existence, and uh, handing on that uh, experience. I, I would, I, I'm a little puzzled uh, at some stages in, in reading your writings to, to find that, uh, at least I have the impression that, that all things which exist uh, out of memory in time and thought are looked upon as uh, in, in a sort of a negative way. You see my problem? Yes, I understand. Um, no, I, I'm perfectly, you know, willing to recognize that this dimension is there, the, uh, the limitation, the, uh, the kind of formalistic um, uh, imprisonment in which people do find themselves uh, by the way they have inherited and live in their religious traditions. But uh, I certainly have, uh, I have met people in, uh, who are living within these traditions who find somehow within this a sense of, of freedom, a sense of, of peace, a sense of, of genuine love at some, at some depths, you know? Oh, uh, this of course. Hmm. But <laughs> do you think, and we're talking, sharing out, do you think if I, as a Catholic or a Hindu, remain there and find peace and tranquility and all the rest of it, is it due to the conduct of my life? Or is it due to certain beliefs and concepts which I have, and I accept them, and they give me tremendous satisfaction? And I call that peace, tranquility. I don't think it comes from concepts, no. I would agree with you there. I think that uh, this deeper dimension of uh, experience, or of experiencing, as I think you refer to it, uh, is the important thing. Um, but, but the the experiencing or that quality of mind that perceives mm -hmm. 
It doesn't belong to any group. Well, in a sense, I think that's true, but I think it does happen in groups, and uh, to some extent, I would be willing to believe that it happens as a result of the kind of things which have gone on over the centuries in those groups. That there's a kind of a an inherited unconscious deep racial Well, I don't know how to put it, but it seems to me that I guess what I'm saying is that I, I, I really feel that uh, we do profit and learn from those who have gone before us and are able to share in some way to, as a consequence of, of, of that, to more easily um, achieve this, this, this wisdom, this, this peace, this, uh, this reality, this deep reality of, of love. But uh, I would, uh, you know, I, I think we would be in very solid agreement that whether it, that the, the concepts, the thoughts, those things on that level are not the, are the, not real the center. No. They're not the, the no. central issue. But I, I don't think I would see them in quite the same way as you do, uh, necessarily as obstacles. I can see that they could be obstacles if they're made into things in themselves. But I would be more inclined to see them having the possibility of being the uh, the the means through which the, the the setting in which the symbols through which this deeper reality is is reached. You know. Uh, Are you saying, sir, that the tradition, whether the Asiatic tradition or European tradition? has something in it, has some truth in it, which is embedded in the unconscious, or whatever you like to call it, in the mind, through centuries. And that, you can't put all that, throw it all out, but use it, let it operate. I guess, yes, I think that's... I think that's sort of what I'm saying. That uh, that uh, I would this question because if I'm born as a Catholic or a Hindu, I'll take Hindu. Doesn't matter whether they're Catholic or Hindu. All the racial concepts, beliefs, the enormous uh, tradition of five thousand years gathered in the, in the forefathers, handed over hand, from generation to generation, twisted, a little bit coloured, uh, at a bias, all that is in me, Catholic, Protestant, whatever it is. And the, 
will that actually, I'm just inquiring, will that actually bring real depth of understanding? Certainly not in an automatic way. And, no, uh, I, I'm understanding, see something totally original in the sense, something new that's never been handed over. After all, well. the whole idea, <coughs> the whole idea of the Greeks with their measurement, the Hindus who stepped out of measurement, trying to find the immeasurable, and measuring it by thought, calling it immeasurable, experiencing that, saying that exists. All that's handed over to a born Hindu, surely in all this there must be a, an opening, if I can a door through which I see, through which there is a perception, which is unrelated to all the things that have been handed to me. Why, why does it have to be unrelated to all because, the things which because have happened to me? Because that thing <laughs> must be totally new. New, in not in the sense of old and new, but something entirely different, not to be captured by thought, by sentiment, by the accumulated experience of generations, which are all in time. Mm. That must be something. Well. I think this is where, this is where my, some of my problems emerge with that. Um, I don't think I feel that there is that kind of um, gap between the reality of time and this deeper dimension, which is below thought and time. I think I'm more inclined to see these as as having an integral relationship to each other and that when one says that there is newness there is freshness there is originality creativity I mean you know. those are just words yes but uh, the reality which yeah. lies underneath those words it seems to me the reality which lies underneath those words um, can be in some way assisted, influenced, uh, engendered, you know, like uh, um, Socrates as the midwife, oh, I, in such a way that they I understand help. this. this I like our conversation now. I understand I this very well because this is what they. <laughs> the whole 
traditionalists and non-traditionalists maintain that the past helps, to put it brutally. The past has some value in, this, in coming upon that thing. Yeah, now, I, I think so. So if I am egocentric, not only outwardly but inwardly, concerned with myself and my progress, my experience, my um, possession, dominion, all that, self-centred, we'll use that word, which is also part of this whole tradition, movement of this tradition. That self-centred may be attached to an idea, to a nation, to a deity, to a, a concept, to a ritual, to a something, which is all the past. My self-centredness is the cultural residue, religious aspirations that I must become God or perfect or reach heaven, nirvana, whatever it is. All that is enclosed if I can use that word, in my self-centred outlook, in my self-centred ambitious drive, aggression, all that. That's part of the past. Yes, I, I feel that, at least in the, in the Christian tradition in which I have have grown up, that I have been constantly encouraged to somehow escape from the self. That kind of self centeredness. In India, too. They maintain that. No, I don't maintain that I have achieved, you know, the, the freedom from reality the of, of genuine love in which I go out of myself, but at least this is. This is proposed to me as, as what what should happen, and and I I really think uh, you know I have been thinking this over, looking over the, reading your your writings and and trying to understand. I think there is something very similar. In what, you are saying. And what the kind of things I read in people like. Uh, John of the Cross and um, the various mystic writers, even in the New Testament where it speaks of the seed falling into the ground and, and dying. And, and even perhaps in the you know the central the central uh, uh, reality of Christian belief which has to do with the death and resurrection of Jesus and our entering into that, that this may not be that different from what you speak of, a, a dying to all of these things and an entering into the void in some sense. Um, if, if we are genuinely loving, then 
We are not, uh, as my students say, on an ego trip. We're <laughs> we are we are truly. Uh, you know, I don't claim that I have achieved that. I, in fact, I'm afraid I haven't. But that we really are 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 not self-centered. We're we're outgoing. Uh, I'm, I want to see, I want to go into this little bit, if I may. If, if there is self-centeredness of the time, of the thing, of the kind we are talking about, mm -hmm. that must be set aside. Mm -hmm. That must be negated. I think so. The very negation of that opens the door. Well, I, I yes, I think so. I, no, I, I that think is that is that is what we're talking about, mm -hmm. aren't we, you and I? I think we're saying something very similar. Similar. Now I, wait a minute. Sir. Maybe no. not, but it seems so at the yes. moment, at least. <laughs> <laughs> you see, the whole Asiatic outlook, as I understand it, may be mistaken, is that. Self-centered, self-concerned, self-assertion exists round a soul, an Atman, a God, a Truth. And through various incarnations, it may be a day or it may be many lives, you peel off the Self. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Till that centre is reached, which is the assumption that there is a centre. You've clothed with various kinds of idiot idiotic things, superstitions, half truths, for hypocrisy, jealousy, envy, and but peel it off, and gradually you reach whatever is to be reached. I think that's more or less the various religious concepts. Well, if uh, I, well, say a little more about that. More, I'm, going, I'm, 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 I'm not to, quite sure I... That maintains a continuity of, of self-centeredness. I'll reach God's if I do the right thing. Sit on his right hand, <laughs> all the rest of it. This personalized, personal experience becomes very important. And that personal experience is part of this self-centeredness. And that keeps me going. Gives me vitality. Gives me. Um, I become more and more mischievous in a different way, and more and more righteous in another way. A contradiction grows in me. And and all this is the past. And unless. There is a 
definite negation of this, not verbally or um, conceptually, but actually negation of all this. Not gradually, but to cut it out in instantly. I think that is that is the central issue. Whether the Hindus say it in one way, the Christians say it in another way, or so on. That is the central issue. Because mm-hmm. born in Europe, I might believe in Jesus and Saviour and resurrection and um, all that. And in India, I believe something else. But see, there is no. I never heard of Jesus. What are you talking about? Mm. Why should some man suffer for me? I, it's my karma, my, my misery I brought into this world. I'm mischievous. Mm-hmm. So it is a matter of conditioning. One this way. So I say, look, look at all this whole phenomena, East and West, all of them trying to reach something, because this world is such a shoddy affair anyhow. Whether you are a millionaire or a poor man, whether you are a communist or a marvellous uh, <laughs> artist or a spiritual, whatever it is, it's that dreadful world we live in, brought about by our, by our lack of right relationship. And that that right relationship can't exist if the self-centred thing continues. Well, I, I think um, I don't say that this is the only thing which which Christians say. No, no they say I much think, more, of course. Yes, but I think this may be the central thing which they mean to say, as I understand the the message of the of the gospel, that it is only in in dying. Of course. Sir. That we enter into dying to that. Yes. But um, so may I ask, put it this way differently? Yes. I don't read books of any kind. The Upanishads, Gita, all that. I don't read. Somehow I've never read it. Philosophies and all that. Suppose you and I never read a thing. <laughs> You and I don't belong to anything, or committed to any group, any religion, any. And we say now, there must be something more than this ordinary world. The communists say yes, there is only a super state, but I'm not talking of that. There must be something more than this awful living. Battle, 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 move inside, outside, this chaos that's going on. So I say, no, I'm going to find out. I really want to find out. Therefore, I must have a mind that's never, not capable of illusion at all. You follow, sir? That, that to me is the, is the essence of 
inquiry. Complete openness is what you are asking for. No, 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 not complete openness. I know nothing. I don't know God exists. People have told me. I don't know if somebody came to life after death. I don't know. They say so. That may be sixty, hundred years after, when the disciples know what they are, exaggerate propaganda, anything is possible, as they did with the Buddha, as they did various other disciples, teachers. I say, I know nothing. I won't accept a thing. I want to find out. Not that I'm vain, or that be stupid. So, as, as I know nothing, I'm, I can only begin with what is, hmm? and not to get deceived, hmm. not to be caught in an illusion, whether that illusion is self-created or projected. Then I can begin to find out. Hmm. I'm afraid that I don't have the the same confidence in the possibility of of man beginning in that kind of totally unoriginated way uh, seems to me that uh, our experience of of children growing up is that uh, the child who does not grow up within the setting of other yes, human beings never even becomes human. I, I, no, I, I, think I mean, ch children, needs, really children need security. Yes. Children need protection. Hmm? And we do really, I think, uh, whether we like it or not, and I think there's some, there are good elements to it, I think that uh, from living with our parents and other people, even if we don't read books, because books are simply a more sophisticated way of living with other people, but we do uh... Uh, through observation. Yes, but uh, well, even even the language we use, you know, we're speaking the English language, and that carries with it uh, a certain. Of course, style it a certain style, certain so nuances and references, and all the rest of it. So, uh, but so, I mean, how do we meet then? How? A man says, I want to find out. Mm -hmm. I don't say there is or there is not. Mm -hmm. I want to find out. Mm -hmm. And to find out, I must have a mind that is really clear. Mm -hmm. not this, That cannot be deceived. Because it's very easy to deceive myself. Yes, uh, as a matter of fact, I don't think any of us are... <laughs> are completely free of uh, being deceived. Our, our understanding is always, you know, limited and, and so fragmentary. I so I say to myself, I'll begin with myself. I know nothing about God, anything. I'll begin with myself. I'll, I'll find out how to be f uh, the inquire so that the self doesn't enter into the field at all. No, no jealousy, no possessive, no, no, you know, all the rigmarole, the self is caught in. I'm going to it, I'm facing. 
It's easier to say than to do, isn't it? Ah, sir. <laughs> Otherwise, what's the point of all this? Yeah. What's the point of my believing there is a Brahman or there is God? Well, it has no meaning. My life is there, <laughs> and, I, and I have to do something with it. I can't just say, well, I live casually or very seriously. I, it is my life. It is the thing I have got. And I have to either to radically revolutionize myself, and it is possible. And I said, take exactly what is. I won't uh, imagine. I won't contrive to change what is. I think that's what we're all trying to do. So look at it, face it. Mm -hmm. uh, then. If I observe that thing without all the speculative translations of what is, then I have energy to go much deeper into it. I don't know this. Well, I, I really think that, as I was saying earlier on, that uh, that I am less uh, inclined to th to feel that all of the the thoughts and the writings and the ideas that that surround us are are totally a hindrance i think there uh, i think there are things that that can help us well not all right sir that for means instance, people people read your writings and i, I think that uh, this uh, probably helps them to, uh, you know, to move toward a deeper level, which is not being caught simply in what somebody says because somebody else said it, but kind of helps them to deal directly with their own experience and their own contact with what is. But um, I feel a bit uneasy about about uh, this kind of cleavage between you know what is uh, and No, it's not a cleavage. Maybe I'm not understanding. No, it. I'm afraid no. I only I don't know anything. So I know nothing beyond what is. Mm -hmm. The what is is my shoddiness, <laughs> my little anxieties, worries, uh, fears, mm? jealous. This you know, this self-centered movement that goes on eternally. So I, that is what I know, both consciously as well as unconscious. That's my my basket of goods and i i want to understand that mm -hmm. and see what happens from that yeah i i think that that's fine all, all i'm saying is that um i don't see the kind of things which which other people the kind of efforts which other people have made, presumably to do something similar, 
are valueless. Are valueless. Okay. I don't say that. Oh, uh -huh. well. I don't. I, I know nothing about them. Mm -hmm. I. It's. They have told me. Hmm? There was. If I was born as a Brahmin, they said, do this and do that. I say, all right, but that's all hearsay. That's what you believe, what you don't believe, what somebody else says, that's all rubbish. The communist says, for goodness sake, well, there's no such thing as God, there's no such thing as uh, the priest, it's all born from mentality and brush it all out. So I say, all right. I said, let's begin with something very common, which is what I am. I won't introduce into what I am all kinds of speculative ideas, just what I am. The knowing of myself is the beginning of wisdom. <laughs> right, I don't deny that. But, uh. <laughs> so therefore, from that question arises, is it possible to do this? Is it possible to? To empty all this, empty ones, empty the mind of all this um, trivialities and pettiness, and be, you follow the whole works. I think it's very difficult. Let's. Actually, uh, there is a way in which. Well, maybe here we're saying the same thing, but I think there is a way in which um, I don't feel I want to uh, empty myself of all of the collective experience of my fellow human beings down through the, the centuries. I feel that... Uh, that there is some value in in being born as a part of that and that my life here on earth is not a, simply a matter of this deepest dimension it is centrally that but that deepest dimension should give a quality to all of the rest of of course that's understood of what happened but the deepest thing cannot flower if you can put it has no beauty if the thing is surrounded by shoddy little me why so the, from that question comes can the mind empty itself of the Pettiness. We call that pettiness, including all the things that man has put together, whether it is, whether he calls it noble or ignoble, you know, all that pettiness, invented by thought. Yeah. Well, I, I guess I don't really think that everything invented by thought is petty. I think that's where my problem is. There are many things which thought has invented which are petty and trivial, and but so I don't think let's that. Let's again. Let's look at it. What thought has created the marvelous technology 
going to the moon, going over the rest of it. It, it is the result of thought. Marvellous. One of the results of thought. One of the results. Mm -hmm. Thought also has divided the countries. My country, your country, my God, your God. Hmm? My security. It, has, it seeks security. Hmm? In that process, it has created various pockets, divided. Of all, sure Pakistani that... fighting India. What mm -hmm. the death? What is killing? Yes. America killing those people and those people killing Americans. Do you it's... think that thought is the reason for that? Pa party. Which mm -hmm. is, you know, you know, all the rest of it. Thought has created not only the marvelous in things comforts and physical well-being and all that, but also thought has created this division between people. Well... And also thought says, I must be fine unity. Mm -hmm. On the one hand, look at it, what's going on. One hand they say, we must have peace. At the hand of wars. Mm -hmm. I would be more inclined to, to think that um, that our human selfishness has more to do with uh, wars. Of course, than which is thought. which is part of our thinking. Me first, and you second. Well, maybe we're maybe we're thinking of. Maybe we're using the word thought in different ways, that's possible. Perhaps. Thought in the, in the sense, thought is the response of the collective or racial or individual memories. I am born in India, all the tradition, all, you know, all that stuff, and and I call myself a Brahmin, hmm? if I do, and I have certain hmm? vanity, pride, uh, all the business that goes with selected people, like the Jews, you know, all that business. So, thought is the response of memory, otherwise if I have no memory, there is no thinking. Thought, memory as knowledge, experience. Isn't it possible in my thought to remember something good? Oh yes, which is still thought, that's what I mean, it is thought, which creates what is good or its opposite. Well, certainly, it, you know, it, it, there are various things that can be done with thought. It can of be course, it can be large, mm, legitimately used and illegitimately used. Right. We, we do both. Mm -hmm. We don't say, well, this is where legitimately the thought has its function. Mm. But don't, don't you think that when we, uh, when thought becomes harmful and divisive, and uh, destructive. That's illegitimate. And don't you think that the reason that that happens is not simply because there is thought, but because there is 
Selfishness. That's what, of course. Uh, yeah. I would not say because uh, so thought is illegitimately better. used when it is selfish. Yeah, maybe we're just, it's the way we're using words. Yeah, that's all. That's all. It takes us a long time to <laughs> talk back and forth before we see what we're doing yeah. with our words. So, sir, can the mind be free of the self? I would come back to that. The free of the self, the self being both good and bad, the opposite. The self which says, I must behave beautifully, hmm? conduct is necessary, etc., and thought also invents the gun. Which I'm going to kill somebody. Which, which. So that goes on in me, all this contradiction all the time. And that's part of part of the egotistic way I'm living. Mm-hmm. Now I say to myself, now can this thing be legitimately used in one direction and not at all in another direction. I mean legitimately in the sense, I must, uh, if I am in a relationship with any human being, I must protect, I must look after, you follow, care, uh, build, um, build roads, not cut up hills, you know, (laughs) make the world beautiful. Not my country, my home, you know. But the illegitimacy of thought exists when I use thought as myself expanding, aggressive, violent, becoming, you know, the chief yeah. minister of a blasted little country. Yeah. So well, maybe it would seem that we're we're agreeing on that that. Uh the, uh, then, the next step is how is this to be done? Hmm. <laughs> difficult. No, I don't think so. Sir. I think it, difficult. I think it requires a great deal of energy, mm-hmm. both physical and psychological energy. Well, <laughs> maybe my certainly my experience is. It's limited and uh, no, sir. We're not talking limited experience. <laughs> well, I have to speak out of you know what I what happens to me uh, in order to try to understand what we're saying. And for me, uh, to uh, really become an unselfish, loving person. Uh, is something which is a constant effort. That's you see, effort is distortion. Effort, to function without friction. Mm. That is the real question. Here I am, yeah. a bundle of idiocy. Mm. Now, how is it to be in? or set aside without the least effort. 
Frick, yeah. which means effort means friction. Effort means will. Yeah, yeah this, this is actually, uh, since you mentioned you haven't read these various uh, traditional writings, that uh, this is a very classic notion in the Christian tradition that when one, if one does achieve the reality of love in any deep and profound way, one receives it as a grace. One does not uh, lay hold of it and, and <laughs> seize it and, and grasp it. Uh, but in some mysterious way, one must uh, use this energy which you speak of in a somewhat passive and, and negative way. And the, the, the grace you know, this is, is given to me. It's not something which I can summon so, up by my own no, efforts. No, but I need energy, right? Well, that's and where it gets difficult. No, I, but I need energy. Because I'm dissipating this energy logically and illogically. Hmm? Mm. And if, I, if the mind can use it logically and not illogically, illegitimately, then there is more energy, there is an abundance of it. This contradiction is wastage of energy. Uh. So, I, so can this contradiction come to an end in myself? I see it can come to an end if I watch, if there is an awareness hmm, of what's going on, without any choice, without any compulsion, without any direction, just to watch, be aware that I am stupid ass, hmm, or that I am completely caught in my own little thoughts and, you know, paddling in a little pond. To be aware of that, choicelessly. Yes, I'm afraid I don't entirely understand that. But uh... it's a, you see, that's why say, I think for I instance, see something of it. You know, from the remarks I've made, I think that. Yes, there is a con there is a communication obviously. to some extent, but um, I, I have the have the feeling for myself that that for you uh, the ability to kind of achieve this in in a flash in a total way is something which uh, does not seem possible to me. <laughs> No, I think it is possible, sir. I think it is, it is, it may be verbal blockage. Mm. And it seems so frightfully simple to you. I can see that it does seem very simple to you, the way you, you put it, and, uh, you know, the... To see the something, sir, directly. To see the flower and not bring the image of the flower. 
same way to see what is in myself without any preconceived idea or image or concept, just to see. Because the, the image, the concept, the contrivance is waste energy, takes it away. So I said, I'm going to watch, I'm going to see, without any effort. You Well, I, I, in a sense, I follow you, and in a sense, I don't. I, I, I in a sense, I see what, what you're describing, but uh, I've not succeeded in. Of course, description is not mm. the described. I mean, the word isn't the thing. But no, but I the, mean, I haven't succeeded in, in realizing in myself, you know, in a concrete way that uh, I see in that sense. Quite, quite, quite. Uh, that, uh... You see, I, to step out of all this with, with one... Yeah. Doesn't mean you cut off your human relationship. Doesn't mean that you stop being a good citizen or just grow long hair, short hair, you become it it means a tremendous living differently. <coughs> well And then you see, sir. What we call God or whatever that is cannot be measured. Hmm? And my mind is always measuring. Because the whole is Western world is based on measurement. However, I, I would want to say that there is a, you know, in the Christian tradition in which I live there is a permanent element which says precisely that God is not measurable. That uh, thought in the sense of conceptual thought is quite incapable of grasping or reaching. Therefore, thought must be quiet. Yes. No, that's it. Fine. And then this is, uh, you know, I don't find this a, a a foreign notion. I find, uh, you know, if I read Teresa of Avila, if I read John of the Cross, or uh, I find them saying, you know, Saint Teresa talks about the the mind being a little monkey chasing around in the middle of her head, uh, you know, distracting her from. There's from a famous book by a Tibetan. I never read it, but a friend of mine was telling me um, the Buddha is sitting quietly, meditating, and suddenly on his hand appears the monkey. And the monkey says, Lord, here I am. At last I've reached you. I'm in your hand. And the Buddha says, oh, is that so? <laughs> and he said, I can do anything because I've travelled so long, for so many ages, I can fly, I can do anything you want. 
I've conquered evil, I've conquered, you know, boasting and say, here I am, at last I've reached your hand. And the Buddha says, what next? He says, I'll show you, I'll go right round the world, over the heavens and come back. Buddha looks at it, he says, but you just said, made a little mess in my hand. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this sounds like the uh, these uh, Zen Buddhist That's it. koans, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. I think one of the difficulties I'm having in trying to understand better what you're saying and trying to see to what extent it uh, agrees with you know what I am and uh, the way I live and the kind of things that my whatever you want to call it my inner life um, I I see a problem in in a kind of an integration of man's whole life, uh, his history, his body, his mind, his emotions, uh, I don't feel that these are I'm, I guess I'm repeating myself at this stage, but I, I don't feel that these are necessarily um, uh, only obstacles. They can no, be no. obstacles. They can be, of course. They can be, but... But uh, we're saying there must be harmony between the body, mind and heart and the yeah. whole, whole structure. Yeah. I think maybe I would be saying a bit more that the, even harmony with man's collective history i think that there i think even there there can be an element of uh, something positive I, I don't see that the the things coming out of man's collective uh, experience as being simply cages you know it's a, no collective experiences racial collective family individual experiences mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why should I carry them? I am that. I am that. I don't say I am not that. But well, the the whole uh, <coughs> million years order as a human being has collected all this. Mm -hmm. Falseness, truth, um, every kind of collection it has. Mm. It's like a museum. And I say it's excellent. I'll take something out of it hmm, and the riddle, drop the rest, the rest has no value. But that taking out selection is not going to give me the door to which opens. The door, the key to the door. Isn't it conceivable that there have been, been people in this tradition who have uh, found the key to the door, you know. Or is it, sir, or is it knowing the tradition, they stepped out of it. 
Well, no, if by definition uh, one has to step out of the tradition in order to do this, then uh, no, I, I couldn't ha I would have to uh, agree with what you're saying. Maybe again here words are uh, are a uh, an obstacle to what we're trying to do. I mean take take what happens, huh? I mean take a, a very orthodox family, whether in Europe or in Asia, in the religious sense orthodox. They, in the old days, the, my fathers and all the rest of it, they said, don't kill, don't kill, don't kill. Be kind. You are, you are, you have advanced, you know, in the sense of Brahman, higher than the others. Hmm? So you pay attention, look, be kind, be generous, and all, you know, all that stuff. Hmm? That's racial inheritance. One is that. But that doesn't, you can be, uh, desperately good, mm -hmm. Hmm? Mm -hmm. in the beautiful sense of that word, but that doesn't... Yeah. But isn't it also possible for one to inherit the, uh, the message, the, uh, the encouragement... I don't want, I don't want to be I want to find out. All right. I don't want to be encouraged by my fathers. Suppose they encourage you to find out. And no, on the contrary, they don't. They say, look, follow tradition, be Brahman, be... Mm, yeah, you I follow? think we're understanding tradition perhaps in different ways. I think if, is again. <laughs> if tradition is simply a, you know, a rigid pattern that says, no, take this... No, the word itself means to give over, carry over. That's what the word means, that's yeah. right. To carry hand, over. To hand on. Hand on. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm full of hand, hand carrying on. Hmm. But aren't you know? Aren't you at the moment uh, trying to hand on something to me? No, sir. Forgive me. I'm not. Because mm -hmm. I'm. A, I, that would be. That would be. Uh, what are you doing? I mean. No, we are trying to inquire into this. Mm -hmm. You and I. Applying our minds and our hearts and everything, mm -hmm. and a, at a level where there is an intensity and affection and love, mm -hmm. and see what this is, how to go beyond this. Well, I think that's the way things are handed on. <laughs> maybe, maybe this, you know, maybe the word "handed on" has a pejorative overtones that uh, make it an unsuitable phrase to use. I mean, I've, I've seen in India, in Benares and other places, the weavers, mm -hmm. they, out of tradition, they do things, most marvelous things, mm -hmm. as though it was something original mm -hmm. and really extraordinarily beautiful. Mm -hmm. But it's all carried over. Unconsciously, it's, it happens with them. They, you see them doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you know, if tradition is simply that, I would, no. I would agree that it's, a, it's. Of a course, very, that's it's a, death. It's a deathly thing. Yes. I agree. We all, I think, most but, of us agree. But. But maybe I, I don't understand tradition just in that sense. Maybe that's a, the difference here. I, I, I really do feel that. So take, for instance, tradition of a 
myth. Mm. Myth is a form of tradition, which holds people together. together in a society, like the Brahmanical or the Asiatic world, that India <coughs> had certain um, religious division and, that, and looked up in all that business, so it held for a while, for centuries and centuries. Now it is disappearing, mm-hmm. because the myth is broken. Mm-hmm. And they are trying to invent or supplement or find a new myth that will hold the people. This is what is happening in this country, there is no myth here. And therefore everybody goes, you know. Mm. That is also deep, unconscious, traditional acceptance of a myth. When that goes, people, therefore, that kind of tradition is both destructive and helpful. But we are not talking of destructive or helpful. We are, tra- we are trying to find out something that is beyond all this. Mm. Yeah, well, that's maybe just the point at which we're having our problem because uh, whereas what we're looking for is beyond all this, uh, um, I don't think I feel in the same way as you do that it, it uh, kind of happens by a total. Um, Negation. Separation from and no, from it's not that. separation. Uh-huh. It's seeing the false as the false, mm-hmm. which uh-huh. doesn't mean I'm separating the separating. Mm-hmm. Seeing something not true. Mm-hmm. Fine, I certainly no one can object to that. <laughs> uh, the, uh, so I have. To, so you see, that's why one's difficulty. We have so so many collections hmm, mm-hmm. of things, mm-hmm. and I have to see the truth in the false, and the false in the truth. Mm-hmm. I have to kind of, you know, tread on such <laughs> so delicately. No, I think that's everyone. You know, every responsible human being comes to the point of having to make. You know this personal uh, option, or this personal way of of uh, shaping his life. Uh, this, you know, it, the way I understand what comes from tradition, it's not simply a a routine thing like no, these no, people no. making the rugs, but uh, it's something which comes, and uh, presumably, if if, and I think even more in the kind of world we live in today, when a person reaches a stage of, of awareness, uh, that person has to make a make a decision. He has to make a choice, uh, and the uh, it's it's a personal it's a personal involvement. He he may he may reject everything in that. Uh, setting in which he has but grown is, up. But is truth a matter of choice? 
No. Uh, well, yes and no. I think it's a matter of, of choice in the sense that I, I can refuse to, to uh, see it if I care to. I think we're put together in such a way that that's possible. But basically, I think I would agree with you, the truth is a matter of, of seeing or not perception. seeing. Perception. And but, in perception there is no choice. There it is. Well, you know, the very fact that many people uh, don't see these things would suggest to me that there, there's some kind of choice involved in, in, in what happens to them so that they don't see it. I mean, people, in a sense, choose not to see. Oh, well, that's, that's, uh, you know? I mean, they want to deceive themselves. Well, oh, I'm sure right that's... Do deceive, that's a word. <laughs> I think, you know, I think that's a very common thing. I'm sure I do it myself. Uh, you know, we, uh, to really be, uh, you know, fully, fully open to, to truth is a difficult thing. <laughs> <laughs> but so one has to, I think one has to begin right at the bottom, yeah. right begin their first step. I deny all the, negate all the thing man has put together about virtue, goodness, truth, love, God, and huh? begin. And say, look, I'm going to, there, might, I might, there must be true perception, I must see things clearly. Not out of vanity or anything of stupid stuff like that, but otherwise, if I don't see clearly my the way I live, the way I believe, why I believe, if see that clearly, there is no honesty in me. And if there is no honesty, how can I see the other? Yeah. Well, I. <laughs> I'm not denying that, uh, that this seeing is, is very basic. Uh, I think maybe this is introducing a new dimension to our, to our discussion, but I, I think that we are, uh, maybe this is just restating what I said a moment ago, that if we really do see ourselves as we are, we will see that we are the kind of creatures, kind of beings, uh, for whom the matter is not decided simply by seeing. My freedom is engaged. Uh, this is an old uh, kind of an argument. Plato uh, apparently felt that uh, to see the truth would automatically produce goodness in a person. I, I feel that uh, seeing is, is tremendously important. It is if I see a precipice, if I see a danger, I avoid it. That is the truth. Well, not everybody does. I mean, <laughs> therefore, see. See what you are, yeah. not through colored glasses, not through prejudices, wishing, oh, I were not like this, I will. 
then you feel that uh, where does freedom come in? That's my, that that's is my freedom. problem. That is freedom. I cannot see if there is no freedom. If I am prejudiced, then I can't see. Seeing the truth of that frees me from prejudice. Seeing, I there is no perception if I am uh, what greedy, greedy in not only outwardly but inwardly, reaching God, reach. You follow this ambitious drive of comparison, you all that. If I see that, to see that, um, there must be freedom. So, freedom is perception. Mm -hmm. well, Not to do what I like. Mm -hmm. Not yeah, to burn I, the houses I, and throw bombs. Yeah, I would have. I would have thought that um, that freedom and truth are. Inextricably related. They are, sir. But that they're not the same thing. Oh no, of course not. Yeah. I said freedom is necessary to perceive. Mm -hmm. What you perceive and how you perceive matters. Yeah. But I, I find that I have the possibility of um, of seeing something and. Uh, then freely choosing to act, you know, not in accordance with what I see. Ah, because we don't see. If you saw, if I saw a cobra, there is no choice. If I saw a precipice, there is no choice. I don't say to a bomb that's going to burst, it's well, I'll choose. I run. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't, those are examples where that's what normally would happen. Go, go further, think of go deeper, deeper. If I see hmm. greed is the greatest danger, hmm. because it divides man, it does horrible things to people. Hmm. I see that, then it's finished. Mm -hmm. And also I see fear, very clearly what, what it does to the mind. Conscious or unconscious fear. So I, you follow? Yeah. There, I, it is the fall. It is the lack of completely see. That makes it difficult. Mm. Yeah, I'm still a little puzzled about about the uh, the role of freedom in here. I I can see that. Uh, A very close association between seeing uh, and freedom, but the um, well, maybe maybe the way it works is I I sort of I am free to to, to choose not to see. Oh, <laughs> maybe that's, that's not. Where it, I mean, if I refuse to see the. Danger, well, I refuse to see it. Yeah. So I refuse to the danger of killing people. Mm -hmm. hmm? Pakistan, India, Vietnam, or whatever. Yeah, I refuse to see the awfulness of it. Mm -hmm. 
And that's but where freedom is exercised. Badly. No, it's my stupidity I refuse to see. Mm. Because I want my security, I want to live as I am. It doesn't matter if my son gets killed. See, what's puzzling me is, you know, if some people see and some people don't see, um, how does that happen? Uh, partly because our uh, education, partly our society, our culture. Mm. They, we listen to Nixon XYZ and says, oh, this is most important. And I, I love to be told. Mm-hmm. And also I love to be follow, follow somebody because I can't think clearly. Mm. It doesn't reason. Yeah. So, I still am puzzled about the freedom bit because it would. I think. I think freedom is. A, you know. Of course, freedom can be used in two ways. We can speak of freedom as the kind of positive achievement of liberation, or we can speak of of freedom as the ability to choose. That's not freedom. Alternatives. That's not freedom. Is that freedom when, when there is choice, is there freedom? Well, that's certainly the way the word is usually used. I know, I know, but I'm, is, is there in freedom a choice? Well, let's, let's take whether I, I choose to see or not to see. But... It seems to do, me that do there is an so, exercise me, of freedom uh, there. You choose in freedom to see or not to see. Mm-hmm. Hmm? Is that, that freedom? Well, it depends, I guess it depends how you want to define freedom. See, I think, as I say, there one can speak of freedom as the liberation which comes from having moved in the right direction, as it were. Or one can speak of freedom as the possibility which man has of going right or going wrong. Right or wrong. I, I, and, I mean, we are talking of total freedom, not yeah. in which choices. What would we call? What would we call that uh, in man, which gives him the possibility of moving one way or the other, of choosing right or wrong? The Hindus call it karma. <laughs> you know what that means? Um, my samskara, the way I have lived. But that's not freedom, though. I'm just showing you that it is. I mean, in that in that description, it's determined, isn't it? Yes, that is determination through the freedom of choice. Mm-hmm. I determine to go there instead of there or there, yeah. depending on my uh, past uh, memories, rem- experiences, racial, and all the rest of it. And that's not freedom. Mm. Where there is choice, how can there be freedom? Well, again, it depends on, on how you, how you, what you're, what you're, how you're using the word. You know, it seems to me that the normal English. I don't say the normal thing is English very clear. usage yeah, is of that. Uh, but choice. Why do I have to choose at all? Well, that's because I'm uncertain. I'm unclear. Why do I have to choose between Mr. Nixon and Mr. X? Mm. Why? Both are wrong. Both create division in the world. 
Why should I choose between them? Well, it's, it's quite possible that if you're choosing between the two of them, one might create a little less division I mean, than the other. Maybe less or more. I mean, the whole question of choice exists only when I'm uncertain, when I'm unclear, when I'm confused. Yeah. If when, I when know I'm the really road from here to, uh, to Santa Barbara, there's no choice. I know exactly what road to take and go. It's only when I'm uncertain, I begin to ask, I begin to question, and you follow? So, uncertainty, unclarity makes me choose. Mm. <laughs> and that's not freedom. Yeah. What would be, what, what word would you use to, uh, when you're speaking of a man moving toward this, uh, this negation, this negation of, of thought and time and memory? I would say liberate neg negatively from the self. For the moment you exercise will, it becomes the positive, and then there's another form of self. So you would feel that the will is not, uh, is not involved in that at all? <laughs> will is desire. No, I mean, will is. Will, will creates suppression, contradiction. Mm -hmm. I will, I will not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're having problems with our words again here. Um, <laughs> um, will. Let's take the word love. The way I have always understood love was that it, it's a particular particular way man wills. He he gives himself. I, I can't give myself if I will to will. Good Lord, that's an act of volition based on my pleasure. Well, maybe that's the way No, I'm saying I mean I, will. I so to use exercise will mm -hmm. which means what? Conquering? Yeah, well, that's not the way I would use the word, I guess. I I'm, I'm exploring that word, mm -hmm. conquering, suppressing, controlling, changing from this to that. Mm -hmm. Giving a direction to Giving a, a, direction. a certain direction to my life. And all control and all that is form of will, mm. which is not necessary when I see danger. I see danger only when there is freedom. Yeah. The, the, real, the real practical case out of which all of these, I, I think all of these questions are arising is um, an attempt to understand this um, description that, that you have been giving of, of seeing, you know. Um, and I'm puzzled as to why, you know, that would happen in some cases and not happen in others. If, if it is, if it is all predetermined, then oh, I, of course, and then you know, you're lost. Maybe the words that you're using to express what I would, I would express by will are the use of energy. Yes, and that's right, sir. Perhaps, perhaps energy. Let's yeah. use that word energy. I need energy to perceive. 
I cannot have total energy if I am dissipating in various directions. And I need complete energy to observe. I do this when there is danger, physical danger. I, my, all my body, adrenal glands, everything operates, and I have energy to run or do something about it. Psychologically, we are not aware of this danger, inward danger of things. And we just trot along, you know. 